Saints have won it. It's a base hit. It's a 1-0 10-inning victory. Welcome to the Exit Velocity Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Brent. As always, I'm here with Jordan. I could ask you, how are you doing? But I'm assuming you're probably in your house right now. Yeah, as always when I do podcasts. But uh, yeah, particularly now um, on this uh, quiet, quiet weekend that we have with no sports once again. Yeah, it's starting to get a little bit uh, almost like depressing, to be honest. I mean, I've been playing MLB The Show 20 a lot and things like that, but just being in the house all the time is it gets old fast. I still haven't bought MLB the show or PlayStation four yet, but time's ticking and uh, things could change here in the near future. So stay tuned. Yeah. uh, But today for our listeners, we have Jeff Carr on from the lockdown reds podcast. And in my opinion, one of the better voices and broadcasters in the business. How are we doing? Ah, oh, you flatter me. It's it's fun being on here with you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us. I know, especially with the Lockdown Network and no baseball going on, you have to dig for a lot of things, or you just kind of have things you can talk about. See, I got I've got one of these weird uh, minds that I know more sports than I do like daily stuff. Like I forget to do the most normal person stuff, but. If you want to know exactly how many home runs that Derek Dietrich hit in the month of May last year, or, you know, something random like that, I'll remember that. But, you know, I might leave uh, clothes in the washer for like a day, uh, just forget to move them over or something, because that's how my mind works. So I can just, content's flowing, even though we are less than a week from what would have been opening day, and there's no opening day. Yeah, it would be Thursday for the Reds. It'd be Thursday against the Cardinals, and it'd probably be Jack Flaherty versus who is your opening day starter if they would have played it. For my money, it was going to be Luis Castillo. Uh, there, There's some debate. I mean, obviously, Sonny Gray had the better numbers last year, and it looked really, really good. And Castillo was kind of up and down. He had a really good first half and not so great a second half but still ended up with a sub four ERA, just one of those things. But I think it's kind of a uh, ceremonial spot. You know, that opening day start is kind of more significant for the guys who have been here. And Mm -hmm. he was the pitching before the Reds went and got the pitching. Like we were looking, we were looking at him as, wow, we, the Reds traded Dan Straley for him. The, The fact that they got that kind of a deal and, he was always looking good in the minor leagues. And you're just like, one day he's going to get up here and be awesome. And his first year, while he didn't have, you don't look back and you see the numbers like, you know, like Walker Bueller or something like that. You still see some pretty good numbers. And we were really excited because we were going through Homer Bailey and (laughs) Tim Adelman and Asher Wojciechowski. So yeah, that's my guy for opening day. There's a lot of Reds fans that, were arguing, you know, they'd argue with me till the cows come home that Sonny Gray should have been the guy, but that's who my pick would have been. Yeah, speaking of Sonny Gray, I think one of the bigger fans might be Jordan. Hey, <laughs> I am since his Oakland A's days. I can actually remember when I first added him on a fantasy team before he, right before he got called up. And nice. honestly, like, yeah, just always have been a fan and uh, 
I mean, I talk about this guy way too often, so we can carry on about that. But uh, <laughs> what we were actually really excited about is that uh, we had another another guy from our league actually flying into Cincinnati, and we were going to take part in the festivities, uh, the three of us, for opening day. And we had a hotel, oh, flights are booked, round trips, where then we're going to spend the weekend, probably hit two to three games in a four-day span. And uh, mm-hmm. that's obviously no longer so devastating as uh, obviously as we mentioned before. But um, I don't know any predictions as to when the season's going to start, fellas. Uh, it's like every time you turn around, you hear it getting pushed back even further. I know that the most recent concrete thing that I read, I think, it was on MLB.com. For uh, it was Mark Sheldon writing it on Reds.com, talking about mid-May, and I think even that mm-hmm. seems. Uh, optimistic I, i'm i'm probably guessing middle of june yeah yeah i was thinking too if anything happens and they do start it in may it would be without fans i think right. they would start playing there'd be nobody in the stadiums but gosh i mean to watch on tv that would even be weird i feel like but as a player especially like a, people that feed off energy like for the reds like trevor bauer I mean, they're, they're going to be pitching right. and hitting in a quiet stadium. that got to be weird. Can you imagine the, that home run that last year Aristides Aquino hit, that like the exit velocity was like something like 3 million miles an hour, <laughs> and it was up into the bleachers. How crazy the stadium went. And if he mm-hmm. did that with a completely empty stadium, it would be like, pow. Yeah. Cricket. <laughs> Cricket. Just, like, oh, man. Just that, that... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the sad part. And all you would hear would be the ding in the metal bleachers and the Kroger section in Great American. <laughs> ding! <laughs> yeah. I just imagine, like, you know, the uh, first major league whenever the Indians are still in the middle of struggling and uh, um, the analyst and a couple of people from the radio booth are, like, making crowd noise in the background <laughs> to make it seem like there's people in the stands. I'm like, yeah, I could see some radio people doing that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So were you planning on going to opening day? Oh, yeah. I was five rows back down foul territory and left field line, my man. I was ready to go. Oh, well. Yeah. This is actually my first year. I went in with a group of fellers where we're getting some season tickets. And yeah, I was like, boy, what a year. The Reds go all in. I go all in. And who knows when the season's going to start now. Yeah, were you? Have you? Did you grow up as a Reds fan? Oh yeah, I, I grew up just a little bit north of Cincinnati, and uh, always a Reds fan. And I know that football tends to run this country, but I have the Reds have always been my favorite team out of any sport. And you know, mm-hmm. I've lived all over the Southeast, a bunch of different places, and I always carried the Reds with me. And not something. I mean, if you ask me, and. Uh, I don't know what you guys think about this, but if you ask me what of my favorite teams I would pick, like if this one team could win a championship and then the rest of the other teams would never win a championship ever, I would pick the Reds. Like even over the Bengals, over the Bearcats, over everything. Like they're the Reds, baby. Yeah, I'd say mine has to be the Minnesota Twins nice. for sure. I mean, they, in 1991, they had that World Series, but I was born in 92. So I didn't even get experience that, but yeah, mine has to be the twins. What about you? As of right now, being also a Packer fan, uh, the fact that I've already witnessed a Super Bowl or two in my lifetime, uh, twins is the next one on the docket for a world series. And that would really uh, satisfy things in my lifetime. 
That'd be pretty cool to see Nelson Cruz hit a couple of homers in the World Series. Yeah, wouldn't it though? Oh. And much like you're, much like you're mentioning about the Reds, uh, kind of going all in this year, and you buying season tickets with a couple of buddies. I did a lot of the same things with uh, here being here back in Minnesota. I got a Twins pass to have access to all Twins home games, and then obviously believing that we would actually do something this year. And uh, yeah, we're at a big halt. Real quick, and not to get too far off topic, but what do you think of Target Field? Because I like to go, I mean, I've been to San Diego, I've been to the Angels Stadium, I've been to Pittsburgh. I want to hit every stadium. What do you think of Target? Uh, during the months of July and August, I would consider it a top five baseball stadium, but that also provides some sort of home bias involved as well. So me being back okay. here in the state that I grew up in and uh, watching a good product on the field right now, um, it's all really just clicking together. So I love the atmosphere, though. We always provide a good uh, fan base game after game, especially in the summertime when the weather's nice and fans are traveling from all over the country to visit. Um, so, yeah, if you were to nice. visit, uh, that's when I would recommend doing so because the temperatures seem to chase or scare people away during the colder <laughs> months of the year. So I can't imagine why. Yeah, right. Well, like October last year when the Yankees came into town for the playoff series, like, it was frigid. Man. Yeah. Yeah, and it sits at such a great location, too. It's like there's bars, like, really close to it. Uh, it's right across from Target Center where the Timberwolves play, and it's right yeah, so downtown. The city and skyline, to get there, it's the city lead. skyline, man, like, that's cool. I mean, it's a great view, especially, like, behind home plate to see that. That's probably one of my favorite areas, obviously. But um, in comparison, like Brent and I visited PNC last year, and we're, you would say that's top three on mm. our list, right, Brent? Yeah, that's my number yeah. one it's right a now. Pretty solid park. San Diego yeah. Petco, I went and visited there like, three years ago. Like that catwalk that they have, and everything else. Like, I don't know if it was just the city or the time when I was visiting, but I don't know. There's everything like little niches about each park that you really value. But I think you mm -hmm. still have to visit Target Field at some point in time in the near future. Oh, for sure. And and as far as Petco goes, I mean, the best day uh, for anybody listening, the best, gay, the best day to go visit that stadium, Tuesday, because they actually have Taco Tuesday. And the tacos are actually reasonably priced, and it's amazing. Nice. Value at a ballpark. What nice. is that? I know. <laughs> I know. Like, uh, Reds last year – or two years ago started thirsty thursdays and we were all like so excited about it but literally all it is is you pay 30 bucks for a field box ticket and it's 20 dollars for the ticket and you get a 10 dollar food credit and i'm like wait beer's not cheaper <laughs> that's the point of 30 a thirsty thursday come on man well that buys you one beer yeah yeah you, uh, one bud light yeah <laughs> no no craft yeah sure. <laughs> Yeah, for like ballparks, though, I'd say Great American is right around like the four to five range for me. Cause I know, like Jordan said, we usually take a baseball trip every year. And this year, once we were, we had a trip planned for the end of May, it was going to be Boston, both New York's, Philadelphia, and possibly Washington. Mm -hmm. But a question that I have for Great American is since I live so close to, I usually go to about 10 Reds games a year. But on, the north side of the stadium behind home plate, behind third base, there's that big opening. 
what is that? Why is that? Is I always thought maybe for the wind to blow through, to blow the ball out, but I, n- I never could figure out what it's for. To be honest with you, I'm not really sure. I know that it's a nice spot if you, uh, you know, you want to get the uh, Instagram story going or something like that. It's a nice little place to get your picture. And they had the setup for uh, Marty for his last couple of home games. Uh, they actually put a booth there. He did game, you know, he called the games out in the crowd in that big opening but yeah as far as um you know when you look at it you're like i, I don't i don't really get that <laughs> yeah it's just a random hole that's just open there yeah mate doesn't make it's almost sense. like they forgot to write that into the plan but i'm sure there's some sort of architectural thing that's way above my head <laughs> yeah yeah so uh since the season's delayed it almost looks like eugenio suarez might be ready to go pretty soon. I know he's rehabbing on that shoulder and Nick Senzel as well. Do you have any updates on those guys? Most recent reports are coming along that uh, he is picking up back, uh, swinging with both hands and throwing uh, this next coming week. Suarez is. And Senzel, it was really just a matter of time. He was DHing, and it was just a matter of time until they got him out in center field. They just wanted to be absolutely like 110% certain. But I think that both mm-hmm. guys, uh, whenever they decide if for some, you know, if the optimistic timeline actually works out and we start in the middle of May, I think both guys will be fully healthy and ready to go then, which is a a big plus because we were a little worried about opening day coming and going without those guys on the roster. It doesn't look like that's going to be an issue now. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I was going to ask, too, with all these outfielders, what is their plan – with Senzel, because I know they got Shogo, Castellanos they signed, they got Winker, they still got Shebler on on the roster. Like, what are they going to do That's with the head-scratcher, because as fans, we, we can look at the game and we say, you know what, Senzel, he's an athletic dude. He can play just about anywhere on the field, I would think. But every time someone asks, if a reporter asks David Bell or uh, Dick Williams or something like that, they keep saying he's an outfielder. He's an outfielder. He's going to play in the outfield. So, okay, well, you can only play three outfielders. You can't really go past that. And Nick Castellanos, obviously, Shogo is going to be either in left field or center field most of those days because I would say any given week, if there are, you know, a game every day, he's going to be playing six out of those seven games. He's not going to be a half in, half out sort of guy. So then that would leave just one more spot for Nixon Zell, Jesse Winker, and Philip Irvin. And you're like, you know, Nixon Zell's got to get the bulk of that playing time, I would think. But you know, Jesse Winker's also really talented and has shown flashes that he can hit lefty pitchers, despite the fact that they like to pull him out of the game every time a lefty reliever came in last year. So I, I, I think that with the beginning of the season, maybe they only hold him to outfield. And especially if everyone is healthy, uh, then maybe you see – him playing whenever there's a lefty starter especially and then once he gets hot they'll find a spot for him but right now that's the weirdest Mm -hmm. part about it is that he doesn't have a concrete path to playing time guy who was in the top 10 and prospects just a few years ago and we're not even sure exactly when he's going to get into the game Mm -hmm. which 
says a couple of things. Number one, they're not sure about him. And number two, they had a really good offseason, which I'm happy about that part. But yeah, I, I, I'm of the idea that I think he's going to catch fire really early and force his way into everyday playing time. I'm, It's just, I'm not really sure where that's going to be. I think probably in center field, because maybe Shogo shows a little bit of an age there defensively, and they just move him to left, and they feel more comfortable there just because his arm's not super strong, but he does have good instincts, and he's a smart fielder. But I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, did you th- uh, do you have the Reds, if they, I mean, if they play the season and whatnot, do you have the Reds winning the NL Central? And if you do, who's their biggest competition, you think? <sighs> I I mean, I do. I'm a little bit biased, but I do. I think their biggest competition is still going to be the Cardinals. This is tailor-made, a tailor-made season for the Cardinals to just secretly move through this division and be right there at number one. If it's not the Reds, it'll be the Cardinals because everyone's looking at the Cubs. they got a brand-new manager. they still got all the talent in the world. What are they doing with Chris Bryant? Everyone's looking at the Reds because, hey, they just spent $166 million on free agents, and they still got the mm-hmm. ability, if they want to, to go out and make a deal. If the Indians get a little antsy and feel like they need to trade Francisco Lindor before the deadline – I feel like the Reds could put mm-hmm. together a package there. So all of your attention's on theirs. And, and you've got the Brewers there as well that'll be pesky. I don't expect the Pirates to do much except, you know, a couple of annoying uh, wins against the Reds or something like that. But for the most part, that's going to be the uh, – they're going to be the – the bottom feeders of the division. But when it comes to this, I think it's the Reds or the Cardinals. uh, And I really feel like it's going to be the Reds, especially in a shorter season. They've got the ability to, you know, not, not, uh, how do I word this? They don't have to worry about getting stretched too much. I feel like they have pretty decent depth in most areas except shortstop. But I think that they end up in the most long winded way. I could possibly say that winning the division. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that too. I know what's crazy too with Nick Senzel is I went to the game that he got called up. Nice. Uh, what was it? Two seasons ago, I think already, but it was like the Reds almost won the world series or something. <laughs> like it was like the atmosphere was intense. Electric. Yeah. But uh, like two with the rotation, Fantasy-wise and in real life, it might be one of the better rotations in baseball, which, I mean, I feel like the Reds haven't had that since Johnny Cueto and the Homer Bailey days. Absolutely. and I mean, what are, you, what are your thoughts on the rotation? The, the interesting part about this rotation, I mean, obviously your top two as far as if you just look at this on paper are Castillo and Gray. But then you've got Trevor Bauer. Fangraphs, I think Zips had him projected to be the best starter on this team, which that says a lot mm-hmm. in and of itself. I mean, obviously he's uber-talented, really smart, and works harder than just about anybody out there. But the fact that he could be the best or he could also be the fourth best because Anthony DiSclefani is a really not well-known good pitcher. And I sure there's a better way of saying that than that but <laughs> he is he is really solid his last eight starts of the year last year he had an era under two 
He was on a crazy hot streak to end 2019 and coming into this year has a lot of momentum. He's super healthy. I mean, one of the biggest problems early on in his career is he couldn't stay healthy last year, all year, Mm -hmm. good to go. So I think this year we can just see more improvement there. You've got one through four are just studs. And then Wade Miley is a pretty solid dude. I mean, if you're telling me that Wade Miley, the guy who last year, except for the month of September, was a really, really good pitcher, is the number five guy in our rotation, love it. And if you need any kind of depth, Tyler Malley, with all the potential in the world, is waiting in the wings. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Jordan, uh, any of these guys besides your boy Sonny, you think will have a great year, possibly be Cy Young? Uh, I would say Sonny Gray is nah, – I mean, I, I could say he could always win a Cy Young, right? He's due. He could do it. Oh, yeah. Um, but as far as Desclafani, that's actually an interesting take. I actually didn't really know how well he actually finished the year. I didn't really have any shares of him in fantasy baseball, but um, – the hype is real. And as far as like a rotation, one through five, it's rock solid. I wish the twin staff looked even a glimpse of strong as that. Just because Wade Miley, like you said, really fell off the month of uh, September and was avoided in the playoffs. But as far as him being your fifth starter, um, I think the most upside, though, in the rotation would be Bauer. Just based on... <laughs> going into last year and the hype that was there and um, his inconsistencies that he experienced last year. I think that if he figures things out and uh, it is his contract year too. So I feel like there's also that uh, working for him too, just because I was also, I think read about or heard about that. um, He mentioned with his next contract or something along that nature that he will be, be willing to pitch every four days instead of every five days just because his arm mm-hmm. it can actually do better mm-hmm. with that with only four days rest. So what I found that kind of interesting. He's an interesting dude in that yeah. he is really betting on himself quite highly. I mean, it, you got to respect it, I think. But he has said he's only signing one-year deals mm-hmm. after this. Now maybe, you know, I don't know if the Reds could convince him or if some other team convinces him to lay off of that or something. But to say that, and being a contract here, he's got to pitch super good mm-hmm. this year. It's kind of like how Scherzer did it, right? Or I guess like the yeah. most recent would be Noah Syndergaard. But those guys are kind of – they just bet against themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then looking at your guys' bullpen too, I think it's pretty decent. Getting Pedro Strope I think is huge because if Rossiel Iglesias struggles like he did at some points last season – he can step in at that closer role because he has experience with the Cubs. But one guy I think is key in that bullpen, and he was pretty ticked off that he only got rated in the 60s on MLB The Show, and that's Amir Garrett. And he's like one of – I think he's your only lefty or only – Cody Reed could be in your bullpen, but I think uh, Amir Garrett's your only lefty. At, yeah, he's there. the only bona fide southpaw there. I mean, Cody Reed has shown flashes, but he's never shown any consistency. So – him being up in the bull, I mean, he's out of options, so he's going to be on the major, uh, the major league roster. Uh, but we're not. I, I definitely wouldn't count on him the same level, anywhere near the same level as Amir Garrett. Yeah, I kind of agree with him. He's definitely got a bone to pick there at sixty six. I'm like, good lord. Uh, some of the other guys yeah. on the roster that were rated higher than him, I was just like, 
excuse me, Tucker uh, Barnhart. I love Tucker, but he was rated a 76, 10 points higher than Amir Jeez. Garrett. Like, not not even close. Like, <laughs> the, the way that Amir pitches, he's got a great fastball, got a great slider. And, you know, I mean, obviously, there's not going to be any more specialty type uh, appearances for him because he's got to go at least three batters now. But he can do that. I'm not worried about him doing that at all. And like you said, with Strope, I mean, he's a good option if Iglesias struggles. Michael Lorenzen, too. He was the best reliever on the squad last Mm -hmm. year. Absolutely insane numbers. He had a pretty decent war, too, for a reliever. And he's crazy athletic. Like, I think he might be the most athletic dude on the team. But the bullpen Mm -hmm. as a whole, I, I would stop short of saying that they're like a top flight bullpen but i also don't think that they are a weakness i've i've heard a couple people talk to a couple people that were thinking that they might be a little weak in the bullpen but i don't i don't agree like Mm -hmm. last year the first half bullpen was really really strong the only issue was david bell was managing just about every game like it was game seven of the world series so if a starter struggled in the fourth Mm -hmm. inning out he went and they brought in the bullpen. You're like, no, David, no. <laughs> He's got to pitch a little bit more. These guys are tired, man. And so by the time August rolled around, some guys' performances started to fall off. Plus, you had the whole extracurricular thing with Rice Iglesias being mad if he wasn't pitched in a safe situation. That was a whole big thing. And supposedly that's water under the bridge. We'll see how that all unfolds once the season gets going. But all in all, I think a, you know, a, a slightly above replacement level bullpen. Yeah. Yeah. Like speaking with it or talking about MLB, the show, they actually, the reds on there aren't that good. <laughs> a lot of like Mike Moustakis is only like an 83. Uh, Joey Votto actually is higher than I thought he would be. He's like an 81, but Nicholas Castellanos is only like 81. I mean, a lot of these guys, it's like, what in the world? I, I always joke that um, some players, like I remember this way back when the Reds signed Aroldis Chapman and he didn't go to New York like everyone thought he was going to. I, I think there's like this mm-hmm. small market uh, small market goggles. Whenever a player, and, and maybe you guys have experienced this with the Twins too, whenever a player picks the Reds or the Twins over a bigger team like the Yankees or the Dodgers, they're like, oh, well, yeah. They must not be that good then if they're going to go mm-hmm. to that little team over there. So whatever. They're not that great. So I, I, I do take it with a grain of salt, but I did laugh because I was talking with a buddy of mine. Uh, he got the show. I'm sitting over here with an Xbox, so I don't have the show. And uh, But he was talking about how, you know, Gino was a 90, but yeah, everybody else was that much lower. And I'm like, oh, well, okay then. <laughs> That's strange. Yeah. 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 Uh yeah, Jordan would probably definitely agree with that small market because he had a really good take on Sonny last year with the Yankees. There's so much pressure on him that he comes to the Reds like when he was with Oakland and just relaxes. Easily. And then you pair him with his college yeah. coach who he knows and he's comfortable with. And Derek Johnson just happens to be like pretty much a wizard. So it all works out perfectly for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so now with the farm system, I know you guys actually have a pretty decent farm system with uh, like Michael Ciani, Jonathan India. Uh, you have a shortstop that's pretty good yeah, as well. He's really come on in spring training. He's only 21. He's not played above single A, but 
he, he was killing it uh, right before they suspended it. He had four homers in spring training. He was batting way up there in the average and the slugging and all that good stuff. So we were there, – there were some people that were like, oh, he should be the opening day shortstop. I'm like, well, hold on. Give him a year. Get the, like, you know, let him, let him develop a little bit more. He's only 21. We got a little mm-hmm. bit of time. I'm usually the guy that's like, hey, let's bring up our studs right now. But for a guy who's not played above single A, like I'm super excited about him, but I also want to be realistic too. I'm looking forward. Um, one of the things that's interesting about the season getting pushed back is that we weren't going to see Hunter Green, who is you know, rated as the Reds' top prospect. We weren't going to see him till halfway through the year. Now it's going to be right at the beginning of the year, since we're probably going to be starting halfway through the year sure. anyway, because he's he had Tommy John surgery and he's recovering from that. The, the whole thing with him having been removed from baseball for so long, people have kind of forgotten about his talent. And I'm going to look forward to seeing him back on display. And then, of course, Nick Lodello. Um, I got to see him once whenever he was with the Dragons mm-hmm. last year. A really, really solid control. I mean, he's not going to blow you away with any kind of fastball or anything like that, but really good control, really good breaking stuff. And with the number of innings that he logged in college and all that, I don't think he's going to have to pitch too much longer in the minors to prove that he is a major league worthy pitcher and uh, i don't know if the end of this year is a good timeline maybe uh you know sometime next year we'll see him up in the majors but a pretty solid farm system all around given how much they traded to get the pitching uh two years ago Mm -hmm. uh do you think hunter green when he comes back he's gonna start in dayton right i think it's either uh dayton or daytona okay yeah, because I know last year I saw Michael Ciani yeah. play quite a bit, and he's yeah, he looks good. He'll be a good uh, outfielder for you guys in the future. Only two yeah, like years him. old. He's, well. he's fast. He's uh, got great defensive instincts out there in center field. Needs to kind of work on his plate discipline and stuff like that. But I mean, what minor leaguer doesn't have to work on that? So I'm excited about him too. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, who's your favorite prospect? I would just say Hunter uh, Green because of the hype. Um, he I, he was like the – I would compare him to the LeBron uh, coming out of high school for baseball. Oh, yeah. So I feel like – I mean, as you mentioned too, how we've kind of forgotten about him with Tommy John. Um, if he comes back strong, healthy, and performs right away, he's going to be right up there, and he's just going to rise up the prospect rankings. So I'm most excited about him. Yeah, I remember when the draft was with Hunter Green and Royce Lewis. The Twins took yeah. Royce Lewis over. No. Yeah, we had the first I think overall took pick Royce Lewis Hunter over Hunter Green. Second, and then we were all like, why did we pass on him? We were all mad at the world that we lost out on Hunter Green. Yeah. But Royce Lewis isn't to be just too bad himself. So. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, Hunter Green was on the cover of Sports Yeah, Illustrated. and that was one thing, too. He's really involved in the community around here and stuff. And there's, I mean, you know, they always say never read the comments and, and take social media commenters with a grain of salt. But there's a lot of commenters out there that are just like, well, why is he so active if he's never played a minute in the major leagues? It's like, calm down. He's going to yeah. be there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if he becomes a superstar, yeah. they'll look back on it and be like, wow. He started out from nothing and was involved in the community at such a young age. Exactly. 
Yeah, one guy I wanted to talk about too from last season that I thought thought was real interesting that he did get traded was Yasiel Puig. I feel like the city of Cincinnati loved the guy. He was, I feel like he was super involved in the community. They even had a section in Great American. What was it, the Puig's Pen or something? Puig's, yeah. Something like that, yeah. And I feel like the whole stadium loved him. Why did they get rid of him? I tell you, I think it was an opportunistic deal. They saw that they could get Trevor Bauer. And, and and one of the big things was with Bauer coming in, obviously he didn't pitch that well, but he off the field helped Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, those guys really understand the Rapsodos and the Edgertronics and all that different stuff. Uh, I was just watching some kind of podcast the other day with Ryan Ruoco and CC Sabathia where Sonny Gray was talking about, he's like, you know, DJ, Derek Johnson and Caleb Cotham were giving him all of this information from these cameras. And he was like, "Uh uh uh-huh. So, so pitch better. Okay. I got it. And he's like, as soon as Trevor Bauer came in, it was like the light switch flicked on. So that was a huge get for them. So I can at least see, the ends justifying the means a little bit, but that doesn't mean that I don't miss old Puig. I mean, I really enjoyed the very little bit of time that he was in a Reds uniform. And of course, probably the best picture ever of that, uh, you know, the picture of him at home plate, you know, running in to jump and fire a punch at whatever random Pittsburgh pirate player had to be, happened to be on the other <laughs> end of it. That was a great picture, but even more than that, it was, it was funny because even when the Reds signed, Nick Castellanos in the offseason, there were still a lot of fans who were just like, whoa, you spelled Yasiel Puig wrong. Why, why didn't they re-sign him? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, well, Castellanos, yeah. he, he's like really like talented and good and stuff. But yeah, I get it. He's not Yasiel Puig. He, the, the dude had a personality that was so much bigger than whatever numbers he actually put up on the field. Which, if we're honest, mm-hmm. if we look back at what he did in the short time he was in Cincinnati, he was a below-average hitter. But nobody wants to hear that because you know yeah. he was so awesome otherwise. And, I mean, he even had a bobblehead. Guy just got to Cincinnati that year in the game of bobblehead. So I, I think that there's yeah. definitely a lot of fan um, angst at that deal. But being on the other end of it and hopefully at the end of this year, will really see the value because that deal wasn't so much for last year as it was for this year. And the fact that he's still a free agent mm-hmm. and there's plenty of teams out there that their fans are just clamoring, like, go get him, go bring him in now just shows you at least the value of his personality. Uh, hopefully he can put it all together. I don't think it'll be with the Reds obviously, but he can put it all together with a team out there on the field. Yeah, I just remembered what the section was. It was Puig's, Puig's yeah, Corral. Yeah. It was the Corral. I, I knew yeah, the, I remember. I figured it was nuts. something to do with Wild Horse because I know that was his nickname, but I, I couldn't I couldn't put my finger on it. Yeah. Yeah, they'd be going crazy. He'd be pointing up in the section, sticking his <laughs> tongue out. and God, I remember oh, some man. of those He games. was so much fun. <laughs> that one game where he scored from first on a line drive out into right field to win the game, mm. that was – That'll stick in my mind as well as one of those things where I'm just like, man, the things that he did just so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, I was thinking the other day with the Reds getting Castellanos, I think honestly, part of it is they were afraid the Cubs would get him back because in the second half of last season, he was one of the best hitters 
in the major leagues. I think he led the oh, yeah. major leagues in doubles. But when he got traded to the Cubs, he I think was he hit so most good. of those doubles in a Cubs uniform. If I'm yeah. if I'm right, I, I yeah yeah yeah. It should be an interesting season for the Reds. Uh, do you have any other information about the Reds that fantasy? owners or baseball fans so like to know. As far as I know, uh, nothing nothing too earth-shattering. The interesting thing will be how does Eugenio Suarez follow up from last year? I mean, obviously, it's hard to count on a dude to consistently hit almost 50 home runs, but I mean, he was still a pretty solid hitter. He did strike out more than any other hitter in the major league, I think it was major leagues, maybe just the national league, but he had more strikeouts than anyone else, but he was still a super productive guy. So how does that translate this year? Does he hit those homers into doubles? Do those homers go away? I mean, he does hit in one of the most Homer friendly ballparks. So I've seen a lot of people and it's, you don't even have to be that deep into fantasy analysis to know that regression, whenever you hit 50 home runs is more than likely to happen which he only hit 49, but yeah, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. He had a couple robbed. He should have hit 50. That's my take on it. But, uh, you know, uh, I think that you don't want to undervalue him because then somebody might get a steal on it. But, I mean, that's the only thing that I can really think of. There's nothing really earth-shattering other than that. Yeah, we'll have a lot of time to talk about it. Jordan, do you have anything for – about the Reds no, or anything or any questions that you'd like out to ask of Jeff? 2015 players appearing in a Reds uniform, Shogo will be the first Japanese born player with the club. And then yep. Cincinnati is the only MLB franchise to have never had an appearance by a Japanese born player. Another reason why this season can't get here fast that enough. Is... So, that was kind of interesting. Boy, that is some crazy information. Where did you find That's crazy. No, uh, Boy, 2000... how many you said 2300 players? 2015 players. He's the first Japanese, and I feel like every, like the twins always have usually one Japanese born player on their team. I yeah, feel they, like they've had plenty, yeah, that was they haven't produced, but that was one thing I, yeah. I know. Whenever uh, Sutsugo got signed by the Rays, because there were some Reds fans that were just like, Oh, I kind of want Sutsugo more than I want Akiyama, but it's like, man, the fact that the Reds are the oldest professional baseball franchise and they're the last ones to get in on having a Japanese born baseball player. It's like, man, let's, let's get this yeah, going right. already. And yeah. Shogo, he, I mean, you know, in the very limited, very tiny sample size of spring training look pretty solid. So I'm, I'm hoping he keeps that up in the regular season. Yeah, we shall see. Uh, last question I got for you is last year it was the 150 year anniversary for the Cincinnati Reds out of those bobbleheads that they gave away for the 150 years, like Barry Larkin, Ken Griffey. I how many of those did you get? Two of them. Um, my, my, my wife has uh, very politely requested that I not get so many <laughs> bobbleheads a year now because we're running out of space in our house. But uh, no, <laughs> just, uh, yeah, I just ended up uh, only got a couple of those uh, really, really enjoy those stuff though. I love that the Reds have been doing that and the, the different giveaways. I think it's weird that they have special ticket packages for the special bobbleheads and you got to like pay the special price and all that stuff. But Hey, you know what? Whatever. I get it. It's a business. They're making money. That's how it works. 
Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they're one of the better organizations on baseball for giving having giveaways. They're solid. Like the, the one the one giveaway and and I had to uh I had to work that day. I wasn't able to get off work, but uh the one giveaway that I really regretted missing last year was the I think it was the last home game that Marty Brenneman called on the radio. They gave away a little transistor radio to mm-hmm. I think like the first ten thousand fans who gave the, uh, who came to the ballpark, but it was like you know, it, was, it had like a copy of um, his signature and stuff on it. And it was a really cool looking radio, but it was a fully uh, working AM transistor radio that they just gave out to 10,000 people. And I'm like, man, that is a solid giveaway. And I still can't believe that I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, that's fun. Yeah, I think that's All right. Deal. You guys Thanks got anything else tonight? Hey, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, Jeff, how can everybody uh, follow you on Twitter and uh, yeah, definitely. podcast uh, and all as that? As far as the podcast goes, it's pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, the Himalaya podcasting app, if you use that, all that different stuff. And then uh, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs, and then follow the show at Locked on Reds.